3: Get Hi and
4: welcome to Slamfire Radio. This is episode 125 on September 25th. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel, the Hunting Gear Guy. Micho.
3: I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew, the Warning Shot McClatchy.
0: So I guess we got a new guy, huh? We got a new guy. Welcome, new guy. What are you <laughs> talking about? I've been here this whole time. <laughs> it's, it's like you never left. Or, wait, wait, wait. It's like you were always here.
4: Ah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. So it was on a p- couple of weeks ago, right?
3: You were. Yeah. Sort yeah. of, uh, yeah.
0: Now so it's it? a bit more of a permanent thing. We
3: well, it's not s- semi-permanent anyway. I mean, we got to see how he does on this show.
0: Some I don't think really, back. I think we're stuck with him. Yeah, probably.
3: Look, here's the thing. You can't be any worse than we are. It's not that you're stuck but with But
0: you're not me. allowed you're to better. be better.
3: I'm stuck with you. Yes, That's <laughs> it. <laughs> we will drag you down into mediocrity. <laughs> yeah it's gonna be great yeah welcome yeah, to the that... show man it's uh it's gonna be really fun having you on i think yeah it's, i think i, th- uh, I th- uh, hope <laughs> <I think. laughs> oh
4: yeah look i was listening to the show where you guys were listening we're like reading off all the other uh entrants and i think you guys messed up i think you picked the wrong person yeah those other guys were like super super
0: qualified i don't know how how you guys picked me
3: well that one guy even had his own outtakes which was hilarious oh man yeah
0: undress my SKS that's it he was in yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
4: yeah well I'll uh I'll continue to thank that you guys uh, took me on for uh for my excellent hair and uh yes and leave it there yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: well why don't we uh take a second in case somebody is listening if this is their first episode ever they just happen to stumble upon us then, because maybe then this they're...
3: is yeah then Adriel being here is completely normal for them
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. But let's, so why don't you, Adriel, you tell them, uh, your background in case somebody's not heard you on our show before and has not heard okay. of the hunting gear guy. And, uh, yeah, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
4: Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've been around guns kind of my whole life. Uh, I'm out in Alberta and, uh, uh, you know, when we're seven, uh, every you, you get your your government, uh, provincial government twenty-two that gets handed to you, and then you go shoot <laughs> gophers like all the other kids around, right? <laughs> you go, do you guys have that in Ontario, in uh, New Brunswick, we, and out we, east? We
0: we have potato break. We're, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. go to school to pick potatoes.
4: <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, so I grew up shooting gophers and uh, you know hunting when I was eleven, and uh, uh well, you know,
0: eleven. Uh, why'd you wait so long?
4: <laughs> well that's I'd, like I have been hunting before then. That's the minimum age you can get to get your own uh your own license and your own uh you know, your oh, own deer no. kind of thing. Eleven?
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow, we suck. You gotta be yeah. sixteen. <laughs> oh
4: man, no, that's know, right? gotta you gotta foster it earlier than that. I mean I'm 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 taking I've got two kids now and, and I'm I take my uh my seven year old out hunting and my four year old is, is probably gonna come with me this year, so as long as it's not minus thirty and they're they're going to be whiny about it, I'll I'll get them out there. Cause
3: it doesn't get... even matter with the temperature if they're going to be whiny about it; they're not coming.
4: No, no, they're not. <laughs> I, I try to but, pump them up. I, I usually get them pretty excited about it.
0: Well, it what would you be pretty want. exciting. What you want is kids that whine when you when you won't take them. That's what you want.
4: Yeah, yeah. Except when yeah, except for bow hunting, because I can't I can't take them with me. They'll move too much. And
0: you yeah. hear that, Matthew? Bow hunting. This is terrible. I'm hanging up on you. I Welcome to bow hunt.
4: And uh, today, uh, Trevor, do you like uh, what kind of release? Do you like you know a buckled one, a strap,
3: uh, maybe a hand, like hand
0: hand held, hand handheld? Handheld for me. Just take yeah. my target.
3: So oh, how's that? So I can I hang got, up on you.
0: I gotta repeat all that now.
3: No, you don't have to repeat anything. See, no. when you get hung up on that, that, that is, there's a reason for <laughs> it. See, Adriel, this is the first time he's been hung up on. He's not even back yet. He
0: doesn't even understand what just happened. He,
3: he's like, he's worried that there, the yeah, connection was guy. lost for some reason. Did
1: you
0: believe did that what? to us, Adriel?
3: <laughs> I don't even know did what Matthew I hang up? What? Yeah, no. Up I wouldn't do something like that.
0: Oh. So welcome to Slam uh, Archery Radio. Oh,
3: this is terrible. <laughs> don't make me hang up on you guys again.
0: <laughs> no. Unlike Owen, he actually wants to talk archery with me. <sighs> <sighs>
4: I oh, will we we'll skip the sure. archery stuff for today maybe for maybe a later today. day yeah, yeah. <laughs> um let's see uh oh i got my first uh my first rifle when i was 18 because you know that's when you can get your license uh, i went uh, to china for three years and you can't own guns over there so i was over there for three years and i came back and i've been owning guns and buying and selling not quite as fast and frantic as trevor but uh Say like 50%. So I, I I like to try new things and and try different things out a lot. Um, these days, you know, I I, I like to uh, do three gun. Uh, I'm trying to get into more uh, more competition shooting because one of the things I saw just just getting into competition is that it it really motivated me to to do more and get better. And uh, I needed that, you know, I needed that. I wasn't uh, I wasn't upping my skills just shooting a deer and uh, firing one bullet a year kind of a thing. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm really getting into it. And, and part of what got me into uh, the competition shooting was listening to you guys talking about uh, shooting IPSC and uh, a lot of that. That's, uh, that's my primary why I got into it because my club had a three-gun uh, league and I just didn't get into it for a while and finally finally got enough of the itch to, uh, to try it out on my own.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, eh? My club has a three gun league. I, I love those words. Yep. Oh man,
4: it's so much fun. Yeah, it's so it's, much fun.
0: It's my favorite out of all the shooting disciplines that I've done. Three gun is by far my favorite.
4: Yeah, by you far. You need a lot of equipment. You need a lot of like like do, if you want but. to do it right. You kind of need some special. You know, like you need your shot shell holders and oh you don't you're not really going to use those for anything else other than three gun. But
3: Nope. I use those for hunting. Fun. No, you use them too for up.
0: walking. You, you use load for walking in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. yeah.
4: So that's that's kind of my background. I uh, I think uh, what was that? Two years ago? Oh, maybe more. No, t- twenty twelve. Oh boy, that was four years ago. I started uh, the hunting gear guy. It's a website and YouTube channel that. I use just to, you know, talk about my experiences with products and take some pictures. And that got me to, you know, get better at photography and, and, uh, and starting the YouTube channel got me to getting better at videography because that's not really my background, but, uh, they're both really fun and, uh, and really encouraging to see, you know, people actually viewing that stuff. <laughs> yep. I thought I'd just do it and, you know, maybe. Maybe five or ten people would watch it kind of a thing, but no i mean there's a I think there's a, a lot of demand out there right now for uh for just regular person reviews of stuff that uh that isn't uh i don't know tainted by industry or advertising a lot of that other stuff right Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, everyone has to contribute to youtube university, and Matthew will tell you that his videos on reviews and how to's far outweigh the amount of downloads or hits. That his ipsic action shooting videos get. like, yep. three to one. Oh, easy. Yeah,
3: yeah. No, people yeah. love people love reviews. I mean, you're what's the first thing you do when you want to buy a new gun? Well, you put, look up a review in it on YouTube, don't you? Mm-hmm. And so people mm-hmm. are doing that constantly. And if you yeah. you know you hit upon some of the, the the really good popular gear, I mean your YouTube hits will just climb like crazy.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people out there just need to see someone else and uh, see how it works and kind of get a feel and taste for it, right?
1: yep mm. yeah
4: anyways yeah that's uh, that's my background and i think i've been on the show three times two and a half times because one time uh, owen was taking uh, guest uh, guest callers and i think i called in
0: and that's when you decided you were going to replace him yeah basically <laughs> like, that's yeah i talked to him and now i want his job <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah
4: yeah so no yes but i it's, mean it's, uh it's,
0: go ahead it's still his job i just you're welcome to stay, but it's still his job. Awesome. Just, well, I don't want him replacing. to think that we've replaced him because he's, he's irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. So.
3: Yeah, definitely. Anyways, that's me in a nutshell. Well, what did you do? Well, why don't you not stop talking and tell us what you did with guns this week?
4: All right. Well, I actually did a whole ton this week. Um, this is uh, this is more than I usually do. Um, but uh, on the weekend here, it's I, not a uh,
3: competition between. Yeah, you, I was just gonna I, say. I gonna say
4: yeah. Oh, I'm coming out. I'm coming out guns a blazing. My first episode, Ooh, I got I got to jam stuff in there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and jam some stuff in there. Uh, no, I, I did a, a CQB clinic uh, on the weekend with uh, Barney. Who, if you know him on CGN, you might know him as Hungry or the Tactical Teacher. He's he's really well known for his M14 stuff. And, uh, I, I, I had seen, a, a CGN thread where it said CQB clinic, $200, St. Paul, Alberta, and I was sold. Like, that's, that's all I needed to, uh, <laughs> to get into that because there, there's not a lot of courses around here for, uh, for rifle. Um, and that's, that's definitely something I wanted to get better at. And, uh, so I saw it. I signed up and, uh, it was, it was really cool. It was, it was on a private range. Um, so it was nice and quiet. Um he could talk to us with no ear pro on in between and then and, and that was all good. And uh I learned a, a heck of a lot just running that course. He had us doing like uh modified prone, which is if you don't know is is kind of laying on your, your right side in the dirt and uh a lot of stuff goes wrong. Uh, trying to shoot from that kind of a position. And that's kind of the point of it is to, uh, is to learn from shooting from a variety of these, uh, these positions that you'd shoot from in a, a CQB course. Uh, so yeah, it, it was, it was awesome. Uh, he, he really knows how to, how to run a range and, uh, keep everyone safe and run through a lot of shooters, um, at a time. Uh, I, I've been in a lot of, uh, uh other, uh, competitions that haven't been run nearly as uh, nearly as smoothly um that's good yeah in terms of things that i learned from it um you know up until this year i haven't really competed a lot with my pistol and the primary reason is because i sucked at my pistol everyone does right everyone everyone starts shooting a pistol and they're like boy this is this is not the same as my rifle in my rifle i put my my sights on the target i pull the trigger and that target's toast whereas you start with the pistol and. If you flinch a little bit, or your grips off, or any of these other things, it shows up big time on your target. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I hadn't been shooting a lot with my pistol. I've been shooting a lot more this year. Every time I do a competition, or every time I, I, I fire a bunch of rounds through, I can see that level up in in my pistol shooting. And I saw it uh, again this weekend. Just just being able to put rounds on target accurately, and uh, and and this time as well as I was able to speed things up and still keep. Uh, the required level of accuracy on target. So
3: that's good. Yeah, was, that's uh, uh, that's a, the next major step in uh, being able to shoot accurately is being able to shoot accurately quickly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and a lot so of I, people I, try to reverse that. They try to learn to shoot quick first, and then try to learn to shoot accurate. But that that's the wrong way to do it. You got to learn to shoot accurate first, and then speed it up. I and I saw some of those
4: guys at this course where they were just they were pulling the trigger as fast as they could, and their shots were <laughs> all yeah. over the place. All yeah, over you'll
3: ne- you'll never learn that way.
4: Yeah. But uh so I, now I think I'm kind of mediocre for for pistol and and that's better than awful because I was awful before. Um as far as my AR15, um that was um pretty good. I'm running this uh, this Tula stuff, it's steel case and uh I was running that through my AR15 and I didn't notice it the first few hundred rounds that I fired out of it, but uh, I'm starting to notice that about every 500 uh, I'm getting a, a failure to eject. So the, the round fires, the bolt flies back. It doesn't take the case with it. It rips the rim off the case. Ooh. And, uh, if you ever had this, like, not only that did that happen on, on my AR, it happened when I was in modified prone. So imagine you're on your right <laughs> side, the ejection port's facing down into the dirt and you get an FTE. So I tried, uh, you know, my, my standard remedial action to, Drop the magazine, rack it a couple of times, pop the magazine in, rack it, and it jammed again. So I think it took me about 10 seconds, which is an eternity when you're laying on your side trying to uh, uh, get this going. Uh, It took me about 10 seconds to find out, okay, well, this thing has a case stuck in it, and I was done for that course of fire. So I don't know if I'm going to keep that tool or if if I'm just going to switch off to something else. I might be switching off to... Something that's a uh, brass case because
3: yeah if it's doing it regularly then that's that's not great i mean no. I, would, I would keep it and use it for for
0: like practice practice
3: I'm, ammo, but I'm whenever cool. you're in an actual competition, I would think you'd want something that's going to run a bit more reliably.
0: I would look closer at the gun than the ammo i've run that stuff through uh, a class and a half I've gone through two thousand rounds through the NEA and the mark eighteen and never had an issue, never had a case. Never had a rim come off or anything. Um, maybe you so, got a bad batch. I don't know, but
4: maybe. So I've I had mean, good luck I've, with it. I I have had okay luck with it. It's just every 500 or so. So I still don't know if it's if it's a chamber cleanliness thing. Like I I've got a chamber brush that I've been using to to clean mine and my uh, two of my buddies run this stuff and one of them's had the same uh, the same thing happen to his rifle twice. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe. We're not just keeping our chambers clean enough and it's we're getting the odd one that sticks and when it sticks it's you' you're, you're done right you need to get a, a cleaning rod and and mash it out um, anyways that was that was the air 15 uh my pistol uh I've got an m p nine flawless it ran a hundred percent the whole time uh absolutely nothing to complain about it um, and what is
3: that a polymer striker fired pistols working great <laughs>
4: Imagine that. A, huh. a, a duty combat pistol just doesn't uh, want to quit. It just works, huh? Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I've got a, uh, an Apex trigger kit in mind, so the trigger pull's uh, really reduced in weight compared to factory. And, and it has a reset uh, now. And it has, yeah, it's got a little bit of a tactile reset. So it's got this nice click that uh, you can feel. Let's get it going here. Click.
3: There we go. Oh yes, no, I, I felt that. That's uh, yeah. That's that's totally totally tactile. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's better than it was before. Like, the factory Yeah. Um, no,
4: love it. Um, it was awesome. So, uh, yeah, that was the uh, that was the CQB clinic that, uh, that Hungry put on. Um, other than that, I, uh, I I got in a a S three, and this is a, like a long range target scope. I've kind of got, I've got this uh, savage 10TR which is like a bolt action 308 heavy barrel and uh, uh, I've got it in an MDT HS3 stock, which is like your skeletonized stock it's aluminum H3? it's made by a, yeah yeah you've probably heard of the LSS you might have heard yes. of the uh, TAC21
0: Go- oh yeah I got that Google here yes. it comes.
4: <laughs> yeah, the HS3 is like uh, an LSS, but it's got like these polymer side grips on it. I may use this thing for hunting in winter. I don't know. It's, it's super heavy, but, uh, I may use it for hunting in winter. And that polymer side, uh, side panels on it, you really do need because al- an aluminum fore end, um, when it's cold is just killer. It, it, it cuts right into your gloves and it, it, it really gets you cold. Whereas a little bit of polymer on it is, is kind of nice. So it's like a, a longer aluminum uh, stock. It takes an AR uh, grip and an AR butt stock. And uh, I've got their, I'm running their skeletonized butt stock on the back. And uh, yeah, it's fully adjustable for... How do you like, like that? I'm one.
0: thinking about dropping that on my um, TAC-21 chassis. How are you liking that skeletonized thing?
4: What do you got right now? Are you running the... Uh, PRS. Max, the PRS. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the advantage with this one is that you can take the bolt out um, whereas with the other LSS and HS3, uh, uh-huh. the cheek rest gets in the way and you can't pull the bolt out, right? Uh-huh. So with this one, you, you can, um, you
0: don't have to push the pin and take the whole back part off.
4: Correct. Yeah. You can just, you can just pull the bolt out. Yeah. Um, your other option there is to, is to get a folder, right? They've got a, they've got a folding thing, but it didn't lock closed. So I didn't really want that one. I just wanted to leave it fixed and, and long. Um, anyway, so that's that's my rifle. Uh, I just mounted a Sightron S3 on it, um, which is uh, about a thousand bucks, and they're they're kind of meant as a, a target rifle scope. And this one's a six to twenty-four by fifty, and uh, had that out at the range. And oh god, I, I've I've never spent that kind of money on an optic before. My other optics are right around the three hundred dollar range, and uh, you can yeah. tell you can tell yeah. so much when when you. Can look at that target at 200 yards and see the fly like running around on it and see where all, and so easily see where all the holes are. It's, it's, it's a real treat.
0: What's the reticle like on it?
4: Uh, the one I'm running is, uh, it's like an MOA one. Like I, I, I've run, I've, I've run mill dots before. Um, but, uh, I, I'm good with MOA as well. And this one was MOA, uh, reticle, MOA adjustments. Uh, it's got a pile of hash marks on it. Um, What else
0: to say? Are they they thick?
4: Thin. They're very thin. This is this is like a target uh, target scope. This isn't something that you'd like ideally use for hunting. Not at all. I
0: I bought the Bushnell um, Tactical Elite six to twenty four by fifty, and Mm -hmm. it has mil dots, but the reticle is too thick. I was shooting at a eight inch plate at five hundred meters, and when I brought the crosshairs onto the plate, it practically disappeared.
4: Huh? Yeah. Is that is that FFP?
0: I don't know what that means. First, first focal plane. First
3: focal plane? No, sure, it, it, okay. would be, it would be the one where it doesn't adjust. Okay.
0: This Oh, this says adjustable objective, but...
3: No, no, no. The, the, oh. the reticle stays the same size no matter what zoom.
0: Oh, yeah, sadly. That's called yeah. first focal plane?
4: Uh, when it uh, when the reticle changes, it's called first yeah. focal plane, and when it doesn't okay. change, it's second.
0: So yours okay. is a second. Sharp. Second. Yeah, it's yeah. second.
4: Yeah, this one's a, a first focal plane. So what that does is your hash marks, if, if it's a 2-MOA hash mark it stays 2 MOA throughout the zoom range. So you don't have to keep it cranked in. You could keep it at 10 or 6 or 24, anywhere in between, and those hash marks are always going to be 2 MOA uh, apart, right? Nice. Yeah. So they're a bit bit of an advantage for um, if you don't know your distance and you want to keep your zoom at whatever's comfortable kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's what I did in guns. Cool. Cool.
3: Well, I didn't do anything, so, uh, other than sort of starting to get ready for, for bird season, which is just around the corner. It's like one week from tomorrow or something like that, or from today. It's like really soon, so just, uh, getting geared up for that, which is basically like unlock my gun. <laughs> That's pretty much license. all I have to do to, yeah, buy a license, <laughs> unlock my gun, make sure I got some ammo, and I'm good to go. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't get any shooting in this week, but, uh, hopefully by next week, I will uh, will have at least got to the range and done some practice before birds open up. So, Drive, I guess we'll move on to you. What would you
0: do? All right. Um, multigun. The fourth yeah. annual Multigun went off, mostly without a hitch. The only hitches um, were things that only the match director would know about. Um, you know, you give the uh, CRO of every squad a bucket and a radio and uh, hope that if they find something, they'll ask before correcting or or whatever anyway, you know, a couple of stages where no shoots were supposed to be there and it didn't get caught by anybody. And then of course everybody shot it. So we had to leave it the same and trap door in the house that was supposed to be used in the stage. Totally on me. I forgot to include it in the stage description, and I wasn't the first one to shoot it. So I didn't catch that it wasn't in the stage description, even though I wrote the stage description. So the trapdoor didn't get used. So little things like that bugged me as a match director, right? Because I intended for them to happen, and they didn't happen. Nobody else cares. They're like, whatever, man. We shot it. We had fun. Get over it. Yep. But yeah. So anyway, it was good. 21 shooters. Um, one, one female shooter. Unfortunately, no juniors. Uh, it's too bad. Guy in our club, uh, Nick, he just bought a Benelli M1 and was going to make it out, but then just kind of changed his mind at the last minute for whatever reason. So that's too bad because I don't know if he's ever missed one either. And I was really looking forward to uh, seeing him shoot that Benelli. And um, Fred had a very challenging day. He got DQ'd, then undQ'd. (laughs) UndQ'd? Yeah. um, We DQ'd him for abandoning a rifle incorrectly. Right. And and then realize that he never abandoned it because he never went a meter away. Right. Yes. If you're not
3: more than a meter away, you haven't abandoned it.
0: It's not abandoned. I mean, yes, yes, he threw it in the barrel. Yes, he went to the next gun, but he didn't actually walk away from it. So so what happened was uh, he didn't get the safety on. The gun was unloaded. The magazine was out, but he didn't lock the bolt back. And we had stipulated there are two ways to abandon a gun. Empty with the bolt locked back or... With the safety on. Right. But he didn't abandon it. So we got the uh, DQ reversed and it was all on me. I walked over. Um, I wasn't even his RO and I walked over and, and uh, the RO had never RO'd a three gun before. So I was. I went over thinking I was going to help, but I really just should have kept my mouth shut, stood back and let the RO make a call and right. mind my business and then act as CRO if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even as CRO, it wasn't my place really because I wasn't really called to the situation, but he was yelling from I could, I can't get my safety on. I can't get my safety on. I'm like, oh, <laughs> dude. Huh? So anyway, um, like I said, we called the range master over, we reviewed the rules and we, it was reversed. So he gets a, so he gets a reshoot, right? Yeah, Because we didn't score it. So during, uh, the reshoot, his rifle breaks. Yeah. Oh. The, Bolt shears off and leaves an empty case in the uh, in the in the chamber. Well, we don't know if it's an empty case or if it's a live round. Yep. And so the rifle has to be then taken away in a gun case. Yep. Right. You can't walk around with it. There's a round in the chamber, so we bring, we lock it up. We put it in a case. We take it away, and uh, take it to another bay to work on it. Not a safety area, obviously. And so anyway, get. He decides to leave the gun out. we get permission from the range master to give him a so to share a rifle with somebody and uh he wouldn't have gotten a reshoot when the rifle broke. it would have been hits and misses and failures to engage, but we didn't write down the time oh. <laughs> Also something I screwed up. His range right. master was with him, and I'm going around with the score sheet, and I'm like, yeah, I got it all. I got I got the hits. I got the misses. I got the failures to engage. It's all good. Never asked the range master or never asked the arrow for the time. The arrow never gave me the time. We were all just so concerned with the rifle being broken. Mm-hmm. So the, we've got, we're on our second-to-last stage. And the hey new guy we don't we don't click our guns on the uh, on press, so just just so you know the rules now okay. um, so Alana comes over and says uh, no 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 time on the score sheet so he's like man the reshoot gods are smiling on me today so he got to run the house more or less three times
1: <laughs>
3: nice
0: yeah so but it was good um, I finished second I got kind of screwed by the timer. I oh yeah? The yeah. I ran the house, and the house, I, I knew it was a good run. It was about, I don't know, between 35 and 38 seconds, and my time was 46.80. And I said to the arrow, like, that can't be. It, it, that felt like a lot faster than that. So later on, we watched the video, and the whole video was only 38 seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> but the time was 46.80. So what happened was, on the unload to show clear, he was holding the timer too close to my shotgun when I was racking my shotgun.
3: Yep. It'll pick that up sometimes. Yep.
0: So the, uh, for fun, we went into the scoring program and we changed my time from 46.80 to 38 seconds to see what would happen. Yeah, I won the match. Ah, Oh, oh but it is what it is. So McIntyre got first, I got second, and one of the gentlemen from Quebec got third. It was a car full of guys came all the way from Quebec to shoot our match, which was awesome.
3: That is cool. Um,
0: and my Versamax died in the space shuttle. I got to the uh, cockpit and laid down to shoot my steel plates with the shotgun. And the round got stuck on the lifter and didn't come up to be chambered. It just kind of stayed there like as if it was stuck in the receiver. So I reached in to try and help it along and knocked it back into the magazine tube. Oh! It took, yeah, it took me a new guy. You're still doing the clicking thing. But that's <laughs> what the button is for. Um, So I got in there with a pocket knife. And and actually, so that cost me, like, everybody else's time on the shuttle was 30 to 40. I was 64.
3: Yeah. 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 So.
0: And um, after that match, well, after the Provincials, Mo and Matt were like, dude, never mind the STIs. They're too much like 1911s. Get a Tanfoglio. So I was undecided for a while. And then I went over to a friend's place who has a limited custom with extreme grips on it. I went over and I held it. And I was like, yep. Yep, that's good. So um, I, I ordered, changed my order from the STI DVC to the Tanfoglio Limited Custom Extreme. So the Extreme line of, of Tanfoglio guns have all of the Eric Graffel aftermarket parts already installed. Eric Graffel is a multiple-time world champion Tanfoglio shooter who has his own line of custom parts for the Tanfoglio pistols. Well, they took all those parts, threw them on the pistols, and now they're selling the Extreme Line. So it's their Tanfoglio pistols with the Eric Rafael parts already installed. So essentially, there's nothing to do. It comes out of the box prepped at the factory to be as customized and tuned as it can be right out of the box. So changing from the DVC to the Tanfoglio and ordering all the mags I need still comes out less, costing less than if I ordered the DVC. So nice. Yeah. I was going to sell my STI Eagle, but um, I can't.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to
0: hold on to it as a backup in case I don't like the Tanfoglio. Yeah. I'll sell the Tanfoglio, order the DVC. If I love the Tanfoglio, then I'll get a second one, not an extreme, just a regular one to have as a backup, and then sell my STI or maybe keep my STI. I Just because right now there's nothing I've ever held that feels this comfortable as that STI with the DVC grip. So we'll see. SummerSlam registrations are open, and I've been working uh, diligently.
3: Didn't you all just finish week. SummerSlam?
0: We did, but that doesn't mean I can't start the next one. You're right. So <laughs> I started very early. I've got a couple of stages designed already. I've got the sanctioning underway. I've got the porta potties ordered. I got the banquet hall kind of booked. I got the caterer booked. Um, I got the trophies award uh, ordered. Um, awarded, huh? You got the trophies awarded. I, I will take first. I got the awards <laughs> ordered. Thank you. Um, and uh, 30, well, there's a couple that came in after, uh, right before the show that I haven't processed yet. We're about 35 people registered already. This is
3: SummerSlam 10, right?
0: This is SummerSlam 10 in July of 2016. Yeah, this is,
3: well, this is, well, it's a big match. I mean, it's 10.
0: It is. We're going uh, with 18 stages, 150 shooters. And it's the weekend, right, for the Canadian Nationals. So people are going to roll into town, shoot our match, and then keep going to the Nationals. Pretty excited. Yeah. Uh, I ordered four guns from Freedom Ventures, again, for the prize table. Uh, two STIs, a Tanfoglio, and a Wyndham. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, last night, I attended the monthly Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights Board meeting. Emphasis on board. Um <laughs> it's so long, right because <laughs> the- the the association's not fully established yet, so we're still dealing with all of those mundane things that people don't take that people take for granted that are required to be done when setting up a new association, all the details of banking all the details of incorporation and insurance and all that stuff, yeah, so yeah, that's where we're at, and then um loophold VX3 scope came in that uh, I got from listener Andy Shan. In case you forget, Andy Shan is one of two very generous individuals who donated their spots at the Carbine Vitals 2 Clinic to uh, listeners to compete for. So Andy uh, sent me this scope to put on my Savage 93R BTVS, a rifle that I know Adriel is very familiar with. Aren't you, Adriel? Yeah, I've
4: got one of those, exact model. And
0: Yep, saw the uh, the review on it, as a matter of fact. Good job, by the way. <laughs> and um, mags for the FNFNS finally arrived. I've been bothering Jeff off and on for a while at the Calgary Shooting Center. You got any mags? Nope, distributors out of stock. Got any mags? Nope, distributors out of stock. On, like, Tuesday, I think I asked him for mags. And Wednesday, I get one of those, for the love of Zeus, call me right now. And guess what? <laughs> Yeah, he had a box of mags. So I've got three mags coming for my FNFNS which means uh, if there's at least one more ipsic match left in the season, I will shoot that gun in production officially in an ipsic match. Cool. Cannot, cannot wait. And then I was supposed to go cast some bullets this week, and Muffin got busy and couldn't do it, so I ordered my own smelting pot. <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> of course it you did. It can't arrive soon enough because uh, it's got to be done outdoors, and temperatures are dropping. Uh, which makes it harder to get your lead up to temperature and keep it up to temperature. And I'm not doing it in the house with my wife at home. So, um, yeah, I hope it gets here soon. I actually paid an extra 20 bucks for priority shipping. It should be here tomorrow, as a matter of fact, based on when I ordered it. But I am off to the Miramichi for the weekend to shoot a level two at, uh, Doug's club. And, uh, hopefully my STI will run better than it did at the provincials.
3: Well, that'll be fun. Doug puts on good matches. He puts on matches.
0: I like them. Oh, I like them too. I'm just being facetious. All right then. Um, what kind
4: of uh, bullets are you are you looking at uh, making with the smelting pot?
0: I have a Lee double cavity 175 grain semi wad cutter that's supposed to be tumble lubed, but I am powder coating.
4: Yeah, that'll be better. I've I've uh, used that Allox uh, uh, tumble lube on before. Yeah, it gums everything up. Gums up the dies. It sticks to your fingers, and then. When you load the ammo later, uh, your hands going to get dirty again.
0: Yep. Now, Fred. Fred's young and energetic. Uh, Fred, uh, filthy squire, and uh, he doesn't care. He lo- and he's shooting it out of his Glock, and he doesn't care about the polygonal rifling. He's done enough research. He's comfortable and confident that it's not a problem, and cleans his barrel often and all that good stuff. He's all about the tumble lube. I've got it all. I've got the the tumble the a liquid ALOX stuff. I also have a um, a the other lube sizer where you put the big tube of wax in, you heat it up mm-hmm. and you, you press the bullet through and it sizes it and puts the wax into the into the grease ring or whatever. I don't actually have the mold to to do that. The mold that I have is a tumble lube mold, but I do have both ways of, of lubing bullets and I want nothing to do with either method because as you said your equipment gets dirty. I I loaded cast bullets before, and when I was very new, and I didn't realize the lead was building up in my dies, and all of a sudden my overall length is changing. Then I'm I'm chamber checking my rounds, and they're not going in the chamber checker. So I order an Evolution Gunworks undersized die, thinking that my Dillon die is not working properly. The only the whole time the problem was my case gauge is full of lube. Uh, it's Just yeah, yep. no thanks. Powder coating takes a bit longer, obviously, but then you're not touching uh sticky filthiness that tracks dirt everywhere and you're not touching lead. I mean once it's powder coated, it's powder coated. It's the lead is contained inside the paint. That's true. And you're you're gaining velocity with the powder coated bullets, so you're using less gunpowder. I haven't uh the only downside I would say, Adriel, is that the quality of the lead and the more experienced you are, the more consistent your cast bullets are gonna be. So it'll take me a little while to get there. Right now, because I'm not using pure lead, my 175 grain mold is producing bullets that weigh as little as 170. And they fluctuate between 170 and 174. Normally, that was unacceptable. But with the cost of projectiles being what it is, the amount I want to shoot, I'm willing to give up some of that inconsistency and weight of my bullets in order to shoot more.
4: Yes, yeah, so. well, they're, they're a lot cheaper. Are you using wheel weights then? Yep. It's weird that they're varying so much. When I, when I, uh, melt my wheel weights, I do it in a big old pot over top of like a wood fire just to, just to get all the heat in there. And I smelt like a whole whack of them at once so that it's all, uh, it's all the same, uh, consistency, I guess. Cause if you do a yeah. small batch at a time, uh, yeah, you could, you could end up having, uh, your weights vary quite a bit.
0: Yeah. I think that you're absolutely right. That is the key. Melt, you know, melt as much of it as you can at one time. And yeah. uh, start making your ingots. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what else? There is nothing else. Uh, so you can go back to clicking your gun now, new guy. <laughs> <laughs> I already finished cleaning it. Where do you oh, put you it? Oh, yeah. Right. Well, you're the lead host this week, so... So what's next?
4: Oh, what's next? Upcoming events. Oh, let's see here. The Woodstock Pistol and Rifle uh, Club has a raffle at uh, $10 a ticket. And if you want to uh, get in on that, you just send an email over to WPRC2005 at gmail.com. And proceeds of that are going to the construction of uh, new range facilities to create a multi-user range that's going to help promote action shooting, get more, uh, more noobs like me out there and, uh, get more opportunities for, uh, for shooting. Is that it? That's that it. For Upcoming events? Yep. All right. We're getting into the fall here. Uh, in terms of news, um, and this is one that I uh, that I heard of um, oh a little bit earlier this week. I don't know if, you, if you probably heard it, you might have heard like they were saying that there's an active shooter out there or something like that. Um, this is uh, this is out of the Ottawa Valley. Valley and uh, I don't know, some two-time loser kind of a thing. Had trouble with the law uh, known for assaulting his and, and threatening ex-wife, ex-girlfriends, uh, fighting cops, uh, you know, the whole thing. Uh, anyways, he, he got out of prison, um, and he went and, and killed three pe- people. So he's, uh, he's gonna be heading back. So, um, I don't know. That's, I guess, news this week. I mean, like this, this sounded a lot like, uh, we had a recent, not a recent, a couple months ago here, uh, a shooting in Edmonton where some guy, uh, uh, shot a cop through the door. And, uh, it's the same kind of thing. You know, these, these guys who, uh, can't keep up with society and, and can't get their life together and, and they're just, you know, constantly, uh, failing and, and don't have really good support networks or, or just violent and, and shouldn't have got out in the first place, um, are out there in the public and, uh, shouldn't have their hands on guns, but do and, uh, and do a bunch of damage. And, you know, if you, if you think the gun control system's working, just look at, at cases like this, or it's clearly not. This guy, this guy is fresh out of prison. And he he got his hands on on a gun, no problem.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, the the gun control doesn't work very good.
4: No, I mean when a, when an ex con can get a can get a gun in whatever a month or two, the, that's all he was out of out of prison and and go nuts with it. Like clearly, it's not working. We're yep. just we're too close to the states, and uh, and anyone can like we've got a huge border. Anyone can drive that over, and and that's what these criminals are doing is smuggling them in. Uh. So, what are you going to do when your when your next door neighbor is the U.S. and it's so they're so prevalent out there, right? It's it's really hard to stop. So, well,
3: it's time we move Canada. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> it's right? time we put up a wall. Let's
4: let's do like uh, Donald Trump. Let's put up a wall between <laughs> us and the U.S. <laughs> uh,
3: perfect. So, yeah. I know. None. I know.
0: I mean, I know that uh, it's much easier, generally speaking, to obtain a firearm in the U.S. Illegally than it is to obtain one in Canada. But that being said, there are, there's a whole association out there that exists that call themselves Canadian unlicensed gun owners or something to that effect, and these folks are trading firearms back and forth among themselves and have this whole time. So it's not just a problem of every illegal gun out there comes from the U.S. There are guns that are that have been in Canada off the books for decades and. There are also there's also the problem of criminals stealing guns from Canadians and from Canadian retailers. So does gun control work? No. Do we want more gun control? No. Do we want better gun control? Gun control that makes sense or criminal control? Yes.
4: Yeah, That's, criminal control, you know, definitely.
0: You know, yeah, track like, the criminals more than the guns.
4: Yeah, this guy. Hey, this guy, you know, this guy is a uh, high risk to reoffend. He just got out. Um, how, like, how are we monitoring this guy? Are we? Are we not very well. Sure that's he's, how he's not. Uh, yeah, he's not hanging out with the wrong kind of people and doing the wrong kind of things. Well, clearly not, because you know he can. He had the freedom to to go do this. So it's a shame.
0: Yeah. So is it a, is a uh, public safety um, department of public safety that is underfunded and understaffed, or is it just a lazy probation officer? Uh, I've dealt with probation officers and social workers on a weekly basis for the, almost a decade now, and I, if other provinces are like New Brunswick, I'll tell you that they have way too many cases for one person to handle, and what do you think happens? They don't get to everybody. It's physically impossible. But mm-hmm. government cut this and cut backs that... And so that if somebody retires, they don't replace that person. They just distribute that person's caseload to the other three caseworkers. And that's impossible for them to do their job effectively.
4: Yeah. Spending too much on, uh, on long gun registries and not enough on, uh, on caseworkers.
0: Yes. Yeah. Or mental health or, yeah. you know, um, s- social programs that actually will help to get people, uh, out of poverty. Yeah. Not exactly. Keep them in poverty.
4: Yeah. Uh, so I guess this is where we go on to the main topic.
0: Yeah,
3: let's do that. Who, who right. are we gonna who are we gonna talk to about the main topic here? Well, let's
4: um, you know just just that that uh, course that I was mentioning. Um, I actually uh, got that guy on the phone and uh, asked him if it would be all right if we interviewed him because he had his own private range and it was certified for restricted uh, firearms. So let's uh, let's go ahead and talk with him. Okay. And now joining us is, uh, Brad from Rafter 5B Gun Range. Brad, welcome. Thank you. And, uh, like how I, I met you was, uh, I just did this clinic over the weekend. Uh, and, uh, like when I first saw the location on it, it was in St. Paul. I was, I was, I was super pumped because I've got a buddy who lives in St. Paul. So for me, it was really convenient to get out there. And, uh, I thought the idea of, uh, doing a course at a private range was a lot more uh convenient and a lot more, I don't know, I guess, close knit than uh, than doing it at a public range where there's going to be other people shooting and that kind of thing. So uh, I signed up immediately, uh, mostly because of the location and, uh, and because of how convenient it, is, it, it was. And, you know, what, what kind of surprised me was that, it, you know, it's a certified range because um, I know a ton of people out there who have like little parcels of land who would just love to have their own certified range, lots of people out there have you know metal targets here and there to shoot at, but I haven't seen anyone like this is this is the first I've ever seen of a private certified range so i, I kind of wanted to know like how you did it and and a little bit about what was involved
2: okay it uh it was actually uh, kind of a long process in the whole scheme of things but uh in, in that i mean it it from start uh to, to where we got certified it was about a, a little over a year. But, uh, anybody that's probably dealt with the county boys or, uh, the government at all, maybe that isn't a long time. I don't know. But wh- how this came about was that, uh, uh, the neighbor that we have here is a firearms instructor, uh, gives tests for your, you know, restricted and unrestricted license and all that. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, uh, gone over there and got that. And, and we were talking about it a little bit and, uh, what I was not aware of, that once you have your license, even though if you have some land yourself, you are not allowed to shoot these weapons anywhere but on a certified range. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that got us thinking a little bit. We've got a few acres here, kind of in north-central Alberta, and uh, decided that, well, let's proceed with this, you know, or let's see how hard this is if if we can get a range. There is a local range here that Fish and Wildlife guys run and, and numerous ones around the province, but... Uh, uh, me being kind of somewhat lazy, it was a case of, geez, you I mean I gotta lock this stuff up every time I take it anywhere, get an ATT and all the rest. <laughs> it was like, holy smokes. Uh, and then eventually in our conversations, it was a case of, hey, I wonder if we could ever get, uh, instructors out here. And if that was the case, then it sure needed to be a certified range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing because I'm not sure anybody would do it and run the risk of, you know, if anybody, heaven forbid, ever got hurt or, you know, even worse, killed, that, uh, uh, those guys would, well, besides myself, would be in a big, uh, big pickle. But anyway, so we proceeded with this, and the first thing I did was I actually phoned the CFO here in, in Alberta, and, uh, it just so happened that those guys, uh, or the head, the CFO at that time was, they were transitioning into somebody else. But anyway, he decided that, uh, they were going to stop by on their way to they were on their annual range sort of certif- recertification things and, mm-hmm. and they were actually coming right by here so they stopped in
1: awesome.
2: and what happened there? all i wanted to know because there was still snow on the ground and i took them out to the spot that i thought you know would work for it and and just to see before i did any more work if that was suitable well they took one look at it and said fantastic that's great go ahead and i said uh so, what's the next step? And they sent me a bunch of paperwork that uh of course, nothing operates without lots of paperwork had a number of different things on there, but one of the first things we had to do uh was go to the county and uh of course, pay your permit fee because uh you have to do that mm-hmm. and uh, uh they had to look it over and of course, they wanted it a you know a drawing of where this was gonna be and you know the distances and heights and all the rest of this stuff and And so we applied for that, and, uh, of course, that was – I'm just trying to think now. That was probably a month to six weeks before uh, that got okayed. And when that – then we sent all that information back to the CFO and said, okay, we got the first step done. Now what? And uh, then, of course, it was like, oh, that's great. Now you got a whole list of other things you have to do too. (laughs) And uh, uh, let's see. I got the – yep, I have them right here. Yeah, what uh, what some of the things were that, uh, I should say, you know, looking through some of my paperwork here, what made a big difference for us is the area that we're in, and we really don't have many neighbors. And I really don't think that has anything to do with me personally. It's just the way, you know, uh, the land lays <laughs> and everything like that.
3: Uh, you hope anyway, it's not something personal anyway.
2: <laughs> well, I, you know, I hope not. It, uh uh, you know it 's not like we had neighbors and they moved out you know once we, once we arrived at uh you know obviously you know being a, uh in kind of an older type area here uh, some of them did die but i had not, <laughs> I had nothing at all to do with that i really didn 't so probably anyway yeah uh, just age i guess yeah. And uh, anyway uh being a uh, let 's see how do I put this not being a, it's not open to the public per se. So that was a, was an advantage in our favor. It wasn't because even the County guys were saying, okay, uh, what's your hours? And, uh, you know, what's your membership? And I said, Mm -hmm. me and whenever I want, uh, if I can. And, uh, they say, Oh, you're not going to have a sign on the highway. I said, no, I, you know, I didn't really want to know anybody that we lived here. So, Uh, and, and being somewhat, you know, it's like, we don't have any signs out there other than the signs the county put out as far as our location, but, uh, you know, no big gate sign or nothing like that. So it wasn't like we were, uh, getting set up to have this open 24 hours a day. You come, here's a lock, you can unlock, or the combination, you can unlock it and all the rest. It was, so with that, I think that kind of helped. And, Mm uh, uh, you know, so that wasn't a problem, but, uh, when we went back to the uh, – and I think that also had something to do with with the firearms guys, too, because there's a lot of things on the list because uh, they have a shooting club or shooting range appro- approval application, and at least in Alberta here. And so with that, mind you, that might be everywhere. And, of course, they want to know all the directors and, and everything like that and uh, uh, all the supporting documents. One of the big things also that we needed was $2 million liability. Which of course you need to get before even the CFO will go any further. Mm-hmm. Which I know sounds kind of strange that if they don't approve it, you've already paid for it for the year. And I don't know if you're familiar with at least the, the insurance guys around here. It's like, shit, you think you're going to get a refund? <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, so you'll be paying for, you know, uh, a supposed range. But, uh, anyway, that was, that was a big thing. And, and that runs us, uh, $1,500 a year is what that runs us. And we went to a couple of different ones and it's not with the ranch insurance at all. This was something completely separate. Mm Uh, the problem I think that arose is they were a little bit jumpy. Some of these brokers in that because of Sandy Hook and some of these other things that happened in the States about that time. And, uh, at least that's what I'm, you know, I was kind of told a little bit along that line. So they were a little shaky, but again, it, it, it wasn't open to the public, per se, that you couldn't come and go whenever you wanted. So that had a big bearing on it, too, I think. that uh, Anyway, so we got all the paperwork together. And and uh, then when the snow finally left, uh, uh, the, the new CFO came back out and, and measured everything and went to the north end of the property. And, and again, we're fortunate in that regard. And the way the range is, is laid out, even north of us, uh, there's about – three miles before we hit the first house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I've got nothing that shoots that far, I don't think. So, and, you know. A couple anyway, of questions. It, 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 pardon me?
0: i uh, say so I got a couple of questions for you just to yeah. break in here for a second. Um, you're talking about the county and yes. the CFO. So when you were referring to the county, is that a municipal government association that was also having a hand in... Giving you permission? Did you have to go through municipal government as well as the province here?
2: Yes, yes, we did. It was just the local county guy, the uh, county councilors, uh, whatever setup they think they have there and authority they have. You know, uh, you have to go in there, and uh, it was what it. Te- what we applied under, or what they suggested we apply under, was intensive recreational use, and uh, and of course. A lot of the paperwork that we were getting ready to, to get back to the provincial guys, the CFO also went to them. And, uh, like I say, it was advantageous to us that we weren't having it open to the public per se, because there are actually a couple more ranges. I don't know where they're at within probably 20 miles of us here. Uh, not only the county people told me this, but also the CFO and they weren't at liberty to say where these were, but, uh, uh, which, you know,
0: Sure, they private right. And all the rest, yeah. But now, uh, with regards to, with regards to insurance, mm-hmm. um, did did you look at basically creating a club on paper and going with NFA or Shooting Federation of Canada to get your liability insurance, like a like a quote unquote gun club would do? I understand you're operating a range as yeah. opposed to a gun club which operates a range so you're a private individual operating a range but did you inquire as to whether or not the nfa would provide you a private individual with the liability insurance that gun clubs use to operate their ranges
2: no i didn't no okay. it didn't and then really you know it uh i just went to town and we've got uh three different guys there who you know sell you insurance or whatever they do and and all three of them came back with the same quote, so I don't know if they all phoned the same person at the other end or what happened. But uh, but that's a good idea, and, and it's something I'm definitely going to look into because, like I say, it has nothing to do with the ranch policy or anything else like that. It,
0: uh, I'm also uh, willing to think that it's probably the NFA insurance or the Shooting Federation of Canada insurance, uh, mm-hmm. probably a lot less expensive than a local small-town broker would be. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're providing insurance through... A national company who provides insurance to gun clubs all over the country and probably okay. all over North America. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, that, definitely
2: something you, to look into. You bet. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you ballpark the quote for us so we have an idea of what a non-firearms association insurance company might charge? Somebody looking to start their own range.
2: Yeah, for right. us it was fifteen hundred dollars a year.
0: Okay. All right, for two yeah. million liability. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could definitely you could definitely do better than that.
2: Well, I'm definitely that. going to look into that then. You bet. That's, uh,
0: yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
2: So anyway, it just carried on from there with, you know, getting all the paperwork, them coming out and doing all their GPS work and, and everything else. And and really, uh, they were all real nice about it. It wasn't like they were, you know, uh, you know, trying to persuade us not to do this or anything else. It was like, Hey, you want to do it? That sounds great. And, uh, uh, Again, it's where we had it we didn't the reason I wanted it there as much as anything is I had more of an idea of, of just using handguns uh, than anything else, although we did run that carving course this weekend and it seemed to work out not too bad uh, but it's the natural terrain that that we that I stuck it in uh meant that other than cutting down a couple of trees, I didn't have to do anything else. The backstop was. Uh, more than sufficient. Uh, the problem is that getting down to the range can be a problem for, for some, but, you know, everybody that shoots should be in tip top shape, I think, so. <laughs> yeah, Trevor, you range. are, right?
0: <laughs> as long as there are no slight hills that I could blow a calf muscle on. Right. Well,
2: it, uh, uh, we would have ways to, to get you out of there. So it, it's not, uh, you know, we wouldn't have to leave you there. There had been the odd bear walk through there and things like that. So you would be safe <laughs> if, if, uh, we just I, hand you some peanut butter and be back in the morning. You,
0: see. I, I, yeah. I, I, you come back and I would have the bear's back straps over a fire. Don't worry about
2: it. <laughs> That'd be good That's too. good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anyway, so it just, it carried on like that. And, and she did all the measurement. Then, uh, Hadn't heard anything for a couple more months and, uh, which again, I find out is really not that unusual. And so I finally got back to her and lo and behold, uh, sent her the email and she got back to me right away and said, Hey, I was just looking at your file. Yeah, sure you were. Anyway, uh, she came back out, did all the same measurements and she said, uh, well, I take, I back up a little bit. She did say, did you do all the improvements? And I paused for a minute, uh, uh cause sure. I had to cuz I I did cut down that tree that was maybe in the way. But other than that, uh, Adriel, I will have you know that this on a side note, that one of those trees uh behind the targets did fall down uh mm-hmm. the next day. Yeah. So it uh but We're anyway I said it. yes, yeah. <laughs> you come on back out here and uh uh then I had to start racking my brain, like, really? What improvements. Anyway, she did all the same measurements again and uh she said, "You know, this is fantastic. This is good. Uh you're approved." I said, "That quick?" She said, "You'll have the uh uh the paperwork by the end of the week and I'll be darned if I didn't." And she just sent the approval back out and it was for all handgun calibers and all the way up to uh 338 Lapua. The only thing we couldn't do uh was skeet shooting down there. So, Not that I was going to do that anyway, because we do that right out by the shop, but it's, uh, I don't know what exactly what that means that, because I talked to one of the other things we do on the ranch here is we run a strength training business, but one of some of the guys that come are RCMP officers and, you know, talking with them about it, they said that, uh, you know, it might've had something to do with not being able to contain the the lead shot and things like that. And
1: what uh, it is.
0: Yeah. Our club, when we, um, we had to apply for an extension with the government to our property line so to accommodate the overshoot for the trap section. Mm. So it was still okay. going off into the woods, but now yeah. we had an imaginary line around where it was going off in the woods, which protected the public.
2: Oh. <laughs> are so they in the it, woods or
0: what? Are they uh, well, well, learning? It, the- it, no, it's just, you know, we were shooting trap there for years, and all of a sudden they said, oh, you need to apply for an extension to your lease so for oh, the trap, okay. for the trap overshoot. So yeah. basically, the uh, the steel cable that goes around the, uh, which is a DNR requirement, not a CFO requirement, steel cable that basically circles the perimeter of the range, on both sides. Our range is basically a rectangular shape. So about wow. halfway up on each of the long sides of our range, it mm-hmm. just jets out. The line jets out, and that's the quote unquote overshoot for the trap section. Okay. So. The the you know it's we didn't we didn't add land God's not making any more of it we just yeah. made an imaginary line around the outside of our border uh, to right. accommodate the overshoot of the trap okay yeah so
2: yeah it doesn't our range doesn't really lend itself to that at least not my shooting ability anyway it uh, we need wide open spaces and and so we kind of do that other places anyway
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know I say that in hopes that. That's not illegal because I think you can shoot that anywhere, can't you? We don't well, offer not anywhere
0: legal. but we we, we, we don't offer legal advice on the show. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably just was, as
0: well. Huh? Yeah. That's oh,
2: come right. on you guys. Yeah. Uh <laughs> no, so anyway, it uh it was relatively slow but painless and 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 again, we weren't uh required just because of the nature of the range. Like I'm sure with your range when they first set, well, it might have been a while, but any new public ranges, I, I think now, uh, from some of the information that you have to supply, wow, it could be quite, uh, quite the chore to, to get it all together. For us, it, it really wasn't just because of mm-hmm. uh, the nature of it. So, yeah. And, and it really sounded like, you know, like I say, they didn't, uh, uh, you know, think this was, uh, you know, a bad thing at all. They, they were actually quite encouraging about the whole thing. And, you know, uh, we've talked about it, you know, quite a bit when, uh, when they were out here and, and my plan really to, to do this was to, and is, and we have done it is to sell memberships and things like that. Now, the way we've set this up though, is that you have to make an appointment to come. It's not open 24 seven. And just because we also run a custom grazing operation here. So we got to kind of know, and, you know, people are coming where the cows are and things like that, but it, uh, uh,
3: Otherwise steak, right? The owners
2: don't take kindly to, yeah, anyway.
3: (laughs) Or hamburger, really. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. So
2: anyway, we charge, you know, and each time people come, then, you know, we charge them a nominal fee just to, uh, keep it up a little bit, if you will, you know, add new targets and things like that, so, yeah.
0: Other than the actual cost of, Constructing the range and the insurance. Did mm-hmm. any of the um, did the CFO charge you any money for providing you with the um, the guidelines for building a range, or did the municipality charge you any money, or the county rather? Did, were there any fees associated with getting permits or licensing?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Not with the CFO that I recall, uh, but definitely with the county. Uh, yeah. It was two hundred bucks to apply for uh, the permit and uh non-refundable of course Uh, of course i think it went right into this christmas fund but anyway uh that was it yep other than that it it was just uh, uh had we had to do any land work obviously that would have you know come into play but we really didn't other than cutting down some trees and uh you know just to give us more of a lane and uh
4: yeah that was it, yeah well, it's kind of like in a ravine, so you're kind of shooting from one side to the other. I mean, right gonna look at your berm height. it's huge, so that's uh that probably played well into it. I know that my local club here in edmonton um you know we're we're battling with the cFO right now on some uh on on berm height and mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of thing on some long range uh, uh, pieces that we're we're trying to get together and uh have been for a while, so it it is nice when you've got the natural topography to work with and uh it it qualifies for you
2: yes and and that's really you know she came and did like I say all the all the measurements and angles and and it all checked out with whatever standards they have so yeah it was very nice so
4: well, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wild I mean that like i I've talked to a lot of people who've wanted to do their own private range um, and and do it certified so that they can uh, shoot their pistols and ARs and that kind of thing on it, and I think you're the first person that that I know that's managed to do it. So that's really cool. It doesn't sound like you know if if you want a a private range and uh, maybe it's maybe there's there's an advantage to being in from Alberta too because it sounds like the CFO was more than willing to work with you on it, right?
2: Oh yeah, she really was. Well, and again, it was they were in transition. Uh, uh, the fellow that had been there for a while, uh, mm-hmm. he was. I don't think he he wasn't retiring. He was just stepping off to a different department and, and this other young lady came in and, and yeah, she was, she was really helpful. She really was. So, uh, and very pleasant about the whole thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but like most, I'm sure she's so busy. I mean, when I say it took a long time and, you know, this wasn't the only thing else, this wasn't the only thing she was doing. So it, uh, yeah. uh you know, it just for us, it seemed like really, okay, what's the problem here? You know, it, uh, uh but no it uh and now that it's done, it's good for three years and uh uh as far as I know uh the recertification process is hey, we're gonna come have a look if everything looks the same, great, you know, and uh and it should probably a few more trees have been fall- you know had fall been shot down by then but, <laughs> you know
0: yeah it, they have uh, they have to justify their job, so they're gonna find something they always do in our range, okay. Yeah, we get recertified every five years. The okay. last CFO, a couple of CFOs back, he only certified us for two just because he's a very nice, pleasant individual and easy to work with. Um, <laughs> when, when they provided you with the um, range uh, standards,
1: mm-hmm. was
0: it a federal template? Federal? standard that they provided you with or does alberta have its own standard for ranges that tells you you know how high the backstops have to be and, and all that good stuff was it a provincial document or a federal document uh,
1: you
2: know i didn't ever see a document
0: uh so they didn't say if you want a certified range build it to this standard make sure your berms are this high make sure the sloping gradients is this in many degrees nothing
2: yeah now say, that was it. discussed we'll briefly
0: it. i'm sorry They just said, build it, and we'll come look at it?
2: Well, that was, again, backing up a little bit. When they first came out and I showed them where I wanted to maybe, you know, proceed with all this, they said, oh, that's great. You know, you won't have to do much anything. In fact, I really, in the end, I didn't do anything. Uh, But just because of where it is, the the backstop and the slope and everything, because they did discuss that a little bit when we were down there because, of course, she had an angle finder or whatever the hell that thing was. And, you know, it's... uh but no we didn't get into any as far as yeah this is what it needs to be it was like oh yeah we don't even really discuss that if you did if it was out on a flat piece of ground and you had backstops i think adriel you kind of mentioned this that you know yeah uh because the only thing she really did mention on ranges like that what happens is is and maybe you guys know more about this than i do is it starts to you know uh road away and, and then you gotta rebuild it back up and yes there are certain heights and, and uh, certain oh, yeah. slopes you need but mm-hmm. this is all a natural thing so we didn't even get into that.
0: So Oh you're you're very fortunate that you didn't have to oh, do it any, yeah. any, very any building, so. pull in any fill and then make sure it was the right angle. I mean we go through that every year where well I mean our gun range is actually a rock quarry disguising itself as a gun range. We're always taking rock off of the berms, rock off of the berms. Every time we get uh, inspected for recertification, when we get our preliminary report, they say, before we come back and approve you, these three, four things, whatever, have to happen, and our range is ten and a half acres. It's huge, so they measure the angle of every berm, and they inspect Mm -hmm. for rocks and trees in the berms, and and they'll do that. They'll actually take this measuring device, lay it on the face of the berm, and tell us if the angle is correct or not, and if it's not, then we have to bring in an excavator and and make it right.
2: Yeah, and that's what she did here as well, except ours is uh, well, I guess it must have been the right angle, but uh, geez, I don't even know. Maybe, Adriel, you know better. Uh, I never did measure the height of it, but oh, it's it's, it's huge. Not.
4: You have to you have to walk down into it. It's a ravine, so you're walking down. I don't into know. The, the slander, other side may be 100 feet tall. Yeah, you know? you're well, so, well beyond what you need to do yeah. for that kind of distance. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So that that really played in our favor, I think. So, uh, I know when I talked to the original CFO when I first contacted him about this and, and, you know, we discussed certain things, he said, oh yeah, you know, if you want, you just set up some round straw bales behind there. That'll be fine. And I'm thinking, holy <laughs> oh, smokes, really? But, uh, so I guess maybe Alberta's different. I don't know. You know?
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, I know the
1: Ontario's. We are kind
2: of too. in a drought here this year. So straw is, is quite scarce. And, and if you can find it, pretty expensive. So it might be better just to do the dirt work and, then you just define straw bales to put behind your targets, you know. So, and he might have been just mentioning about the private type of range. So, you know, not your public, uh, you know, where everybody comes and shoots. So,
0: well, if yeah. it's that, I mean, you know, I think it's definitely encouraging. Uh, certainly for the Alberta listeners, mm-hmm. that hey, you know, a private certified range that allows you to shoot restricted and in some cases prohibited firearms is that easy to accomplish? Get after it. Get out there and try and get your own piece of land certified if it meets the criteria. I mean, you did. and, and
2: Oh, I think so. I think, it. you know, again, it, it was kind of surprising when some of the guys were here this weekend, and how'd you do this? I just phoned them. Uh, I didn't know it was that hard. Uh, and that's why you did do? it.
3: If you had heard all the horror stories, you never would have even started, but because you're like, oh, this must this must be easy. <laughs> yeah, you well, just call the them up and do guy, it.
2: <laughs> yeah, the first guy that ever mentioned it to me said ah, uh, this will take a couple weeks. I'm thinking, man, I'm not what? sure if that, you know, you must have bumped your head somewhere. Yeah.
1: Uh, that
2: must have been way back in the day, you know.
0: I've, I've heard stories where people have requested the um, range certification standard documents that I alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. and they were told, no, can't, we can't really give you that, and it's a beat around the bush thing. They basically tell the person to build it, and then they'll come out and inspect yeah. it. Yeah. It's like how, you know, you have a template, you have a standard. You need yeah. to provide it to me so I can save you and me time and money, and I'll build it according to your standard right yeah. off of the bat. Now, here yeah. in New Brunswick, my club is looking at opening up an indoor range. One okay. phone call, one phone call. Three days later, I had this wonderful document that is the standard for the province of New Brunswick that the CFO looks for when approving ranges. Both okay. indoor and outdoor, all in one document. And I got it in three days. So if hmm. I want to go build an outdoor range, I know what they're looking for. I have exactly. the document. Yeah. And you know, if they come out and question anything, I can just simply point to the document and say, your document says you wanted the berm to be this high when the range is this far with a slope of this many degrees, and I did all that. So well, that's
3: why they don't want to give out the document so that they, <laughs> they well, I can don't make know the Matthew, if, stuff. if
0: that's I don't know because I got it right away. So I'm not sure well, where it, that it could I'm depend from on which from.
3: province you're into
0: exactly, or if yeah. it's
2: even true.
3: Yeah, it's true as so, well. Yeah. So, yeah,
2: no, but these guys, yeah, like I say, they were very helpful here, and and you know didn't try to persuade me when you know not to do this at all. And uh, in fact, the last time she was here, that said, yep uh i'll get it back to you uh, you know by the end of the week and like i say it, it came by the end of the week the, the actual written you know that you're approved you can sell memberships and all the rest and uh uh she said i i, I can't stay very long I'm, I'm just on my way back to the city and on the way i got to stop and another person had phoned about uh uh getting a group uh you know to start the whole process about getting a range approved you know between here and the city so it's – uh uh they you know, things are happening. It hmm. well, seems to be
0: anyway. Yeah, definitely a step in the right directions for the fire. Oh yeah. in Canada. Yeah, I know. in In southern Ontario, they're crying for ranges and gun clubs. They mm-hmm. uh, there's just they're they're way too populated. The ranges are way too busy. The membership fees are very expensive, and uh, but there's no land left either. So they're really yeah. they're really stuck.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. And I, and overall, when, and maybe I, I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier, one of the things that, that we were really looking at is, uh, about the certification and getting instructors out. I, I think I did mention that earlier, but I'm not sure any of these guys would actually come out. And, and this is actually the second one. We, we did one long weekend in May with some guys out of Saskatoon, a Gobi Tactical, and they, they've got their own range in, in Saskatchewan. Uh, but, and really, you know, quite busy. So I think we were kind of fortunate to, to get them out here, but they came out and, and put on a two day pistol course for us here. And, uh, I think it went, uh, that was the first time we've ever had anybody, uh, come and put something on. And, and in that instance, uh, yeah, the range worked very, very well for that. So, and like I said, I don't think those guys would have came out, uh, had it not been, you know, that we were certified and, you know, run the risk
1: uh, of for in no, yeah, no,
2: yes.
4: So uh,
2: and that was that was a big factor in in trying to get this thing going, and and lo and behold, it worked. So yeah,
4: awesome. Yeah, I th- I think just as as someone who shot the course, I think the CQB course and and how the range was set up was perfect. You know, we got to do our uh, our snapshots, we got to do modified prone, we got to do. All the stuff that you want to do to, uh, to prep for, uh, to shoot a CQB course and, uh, range didn't hold us back at all. It was, uh, it was actually really nice and wide. We got to, uh, put up a whole slew of targets and, uh, and run a lot of people at once. So that was, uh, that was a big plus because got to do a lot more shooting and a lot less waiting.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think that that goes to Barney as much as anything. I think I was a little bit, uh, cause all we did for him is we just basically said, you know uh here's the range and uh do what you you know you run the course and uh when he first talked about it just doing it by himself i thought holy smokes really uh how many guys are you gonna have here you know but yeah it was he done it enough times he knows what he's doing he's very good at it and uh you know puts a lot of emphasis on on safety and and making sure that uh uh the you know, he gets a lot of help, if you will, from the other participants that aren't shooting that, you know, which hmm. I think helps as well, you know, keeps you on your toes. So, yeah, but it
4: went well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, what kind of other uh, instructors or what kind of other courses are you looking to put on there?
2: Well, what right now, uh, that's been kind of my, my issue, if you will, is uh, who do you find? Who does this kind of work? And and if they do, are they willing to come out here and, and do something like that. And, and again, being relatively new in all of this, uh, it's kind of been a slow process. I, I did take a, a course from a in Saskatoon there to get a handle on, you know, cause the way I felt is if I can grasp and, and understand what they're trying to get across, then hey, anybody can as far as that goes. Cause, uh, we haven't been around firearms that long and, uh, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, uh you know, very high emphasis on safety and, you know, <laughs> it was a very basic course. But uh uh with that, uh then had them come on out. And that's – my point there is, I, you know, I feel I have to – if I'm going to put, you know, the reputation on the line that, you know, okay, you guys come out here and it's going to be quality instructors that I would like to go and, and take a course from before I make that jump. And, and that's my problem is, you know, is getting to these other courses – and then seeing if they would come out here, and I just haven't been able to get to a lot of them yet. But mm-hmm. as far as what we'd like, oh, definitely some more uh handgun courses and definitely some carbine. Uh, you know, I know uh, a few guys asked me, you know, uh, this weekend that, you know, shouldn't I have been a better shot being as I own the range? I thought, well, that's not very nice, you know. <laughs> it, uh, you know, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, so, again, anything that will help me would, uh, yeah, uh, we're pretty well open to, to anything. So, yeah.
0: Matthew, Matthew we should contact ipsic, on, uh, ipsic Alberta and see if they would be uh, opposed to us putting on a black badge out there.
4: Sounds good. Yeah, Matthew. I mean. Ma- uh, Matthew's gone. Uh,
3: is oh, sorry. If I yeah. muted my mic. I was sneezing yeah. earlier and then forgot oh. to unmute it. Yeah, no, I'm in. Let's play. Let's do that. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean
4: we're we're short on black badge courses out here. There's uh, okay. I know there's one place in town that does them. They do they do them every two months, and uh, if you're not booked in that course a month before, it's it's done. It's booked. Yeah, so okay. no, no, it is, I,
0: We yeah. actually couldn't. You have to be a member of that section to go teach in that section. Mm. So, but that's the only thing that Matthew and I know how to teach. Or, okay. Well, we know how to teach other stuff, but it's the only thing that we're we we can. Walk around with a certificate that says we can teach this. That's right.
3: But, uh, yeah. we, we can. We, we can. I know how to print up certificates, Trevor. We can. We can make ourselves some sort of certified something or other.
0: If yeah. uh, if it's not that complicated, then what's wrong with Tommy and Daniel? I mean, they yeah. seem to be.
3: Like, <laughs> Ooh, burn! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Somebody's I bitter. He hasn't I gotten his
3: certificate yet. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just He's got say a space saying. on his wall reserved for it, and it's not filled.
2: Yeah. Well, if you guys decide, you know, if you want to, you know, if you come up with a different name or something, uh, again, what's, what's been fortunate here with just the way it's kind of worked out the last two, we, we've got a shop that we actually put the, where everybody kind of meets before we go to the range the ranges, you know, another three, 400 yards from the shop, but it's where everybody can meet. It kind of works great as a classroom, uh, bathroom there. You can have lunch if you don't want to eat at the range and, you know, things like that. So, uh, I think, you know, uh, Gee, what,
0: what could you call it? That, uh, well we,
2: get, I mean, probably we You probably could could want right to come to Alberta anyway.
0: That's right. We love yeah. Alberta. We could, te- yeah. we could teach it. We could teach it. It's a great class. It's a wonderful curriculum. Mm-hmm. We could teach it, but it would not be recognized. The the graduates couldn't then show up at an IPSC match and say, we're black right. certified.
3: We yeah. could call it a preparatory course.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. IPSC prep course, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah.
0: Hmm. I'm that sure we work. could come
3: up with something more official, but anyway.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> black badge, too. Yeah.
0: The gray badge. Sure. As long as it doesn't interfere with any existing courses and, and and competition. Like, if we had somebody take our class the weekend, they're supposed to be taking an actual black badge class, we wouldn't be looked upon very favorably. Nope. No. But I think the one that, that uh,
2: they do teach at in Edmonton's and uh, from what I understand, there, yeah, it's it's uh, hard to get into.
0: So, this is a couple of provinces with high demand and yeah. um, not enough ranges, not enough instructors, and not enough mm-hmm. instructors with time to accommodate everybody.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, awesome. Well, you guys are welcome anytime.
2: So, cool. Except, of course, if it's forty below, then you probably you. Uh,
3: well, then we'll probably wear yeah. a jacket, and maybe one glove, or would you have two gloves on? Well, just the one. Just the you don't one. want to interfere with your mag reloads, right? That's right. And if your gun, your hand is frozen directly to your hand, you're not going to drop it.
2: Not likely.
3: No. Yeah. It's a feature. Not, not
2: likely. Yeah.
4: Awesome. Well, uh, Brad. Uh, so, just for our listeners, and uh, maybe maybe if, if anyone out there is an instructor, how do they uh, get in contact with you?
2: Uh, the best way probably would, would be email, uh, and I should, uh, I think I mentioned this the other day. I'm not real swift at all this stuff, but my wife sets all this up. So it's, what it is, is Range at mcsnet.ca.
4: Awesome. So if we have any listeners and, and here. Just a
2: note there listeners. and, uh, you know, uh, we could, uh, we, that'd be a good place to start. Yeah. If anybody's looking at at doing some, you know, some teaching and, uh, you know, we've got the facility, if you will, if, if they're looking for some place to do it, you know, and that's, that's something that, uh, discussing it with some other folks that, you know, I think you brought that up earlier about to go to a public range, uh, I think some of the regular members might get a little upset that, you know, cause of course, most of them are held on the weekend and who shoots, you know, most people shoot on the weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, you're closing it down while you hold your course. And uh, uh, so, yeah, this is this is not like that. So it, uh, it might work good, you know, for some folks. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's certainly something to be said about not having to share a range. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. So hopefully if anybody's interested, you bet, just get in contact with us and, and we'll go from there.
0: Well, if we have enough listeners in Alberta that are willing to pay a tuition fee that would cover the cost of Matthew and I to go out there and teach a handgun uh, basic course two days. Uh, that would cover all the fundamentals, including movement and basically everything you find in a, in a ipsic Black Badge class. Maybe we should look into it. If we, can, if we can get our expenses covered to get out there, I don't see why we wouldn't go.
3: Yeah, we don't have to make anything. I'd be happy just to have expenses covered and, and enjoy the trip and, and have some fun, meet some new people out there. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. Wow. Sounds good. All right, maybe we need to discuss this further than off-air.
3: Maybe. <laughs> Wait, awesome. I'm supposed to be recording this? Who's <laughs> supposed
2: to know this if you're going to discuss it off the air?
3: Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, um, it was awesome having you on the show, man. Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I You know, hopefully I didn't sound too goofy and it, uh, the CFO will be out here and strip me of my certification or something
3: like that yeah we hope so too
0: (laughs) he can't take your certification away for shooting trap off of your range
3: it's off of your range yeah you just can't shoot trap on your range
0: yeah yeah. and I think think he he called it it skeet Trevor oh he did call it skeet too did I what is the difference Don't ask us.
3: There's a guy, Jason Philp. Ask him.
0: Yeah, he'll tell you the difference between (laughs) ski trap and sporting clays. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Okay. uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's not that big a deal. Okay. And Jason's head explodes. (laughs) I
2: think I had that paper here somewhere that actually exactly <laughs>
1: that, what, what that's all right treated, but, uh,
2: yeah, we'll, yeah maybe if you guys make it out here I'll show that to you so <laughs> perfect
3: yeah. uh, the cheat sheet and
2: then we won't shoot it out there we'll
3: no off property we'll do it by course. the classroom sure yeah <laughs> awesome
4: yeah. well thanks for coming on Brad this, this is well, uh, for this has been me. an eye opener for me okay that's
3: all right fair. well uh, yeah I guess we'll talk to you next time we have more questions about opening a gun range
2: well thank you and thank you, guys, you, Brad. Take care. You too, know. now. Yeah, bye-bye.
4: So I'd like to thank uh, Brad Blackburn from uh, Rafter 5B Gun Range uh, for coming on the show and telling us about all that's uh, required to get your own private range certified. That was uh, uh, really great and, and not something that uh, I knew about, at least before. Uh, uh, on no, to the listener. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Sorry, I was just going to say, where, where exactly is it located in relation to, like, where's the nearest biggest center?
4: Uh, so, from Edmonton, go east to St. Paul, and it's south from there.
0: Okay, so, Edmonton. So how, how far from Edmonton?
4: Uh, it's about two hours east.
0: Okay. All right. So, Edmonton would be the closest. So, if the listeners are, in fact, if we can generate enough interest um, from the membership in Alberta, who would be willing to or interested in, in attending a handgun class put on by Matthew and myself, um, and Adriel, I trust that you'll be there as well, obviously, Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, 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 it's something that we would definitely entertain doing, coming out to Ontario or coming out to uh, Alberta to put on a class. But so, only
3: if we get to shoot gophers.
0: Yeah, that's a given. But, yeah. um, so if there's enough interest, let us know. And if we can get some commitments, you know, maybe ten people, then we'll figure out. We do. We just need to cover our costs. We don't want to make any money, um, but we can't lose money, obviously, to go out and teach in Alberta. But we um, let's let's see if we can get something put together, guys. So if you're interested, drop us a line. Facebook or email is actually the best, and we'll see if we can't work something out for sometime in uh, 2016. That'd be really cool. Yeah, a- after SummerSlam, of course.
3: Yeah, of course.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can set up that gopher shooting trip after that.
0: Awesome. Richardson ground squirrel. Don't oh, care. Yeah. I want to
4: shoot them in the face. Uh-
0: all right, then no if one, we're not no gonna one calls call
4: them. that out there. I know that's the right word to be using, but no one, no one calls them. Richardson's yeah. pocket squirrels, ground squirrels. Richardson
0: ground squirrel. Oh, listen, nobody calls them uh, gross either, but we insist on it.
3: <laughs> it's true, we do.
4: Fairy <laughs> <Prairie> chicken? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one's acceptable. All right. Yeah, on to listener feedback. Uh, we've got the first one here. I'll take uh, that one's from Manny. Hello, gentlemen. I heard about this polymer striker-fired pistol at work a few months ago. It's called the Arsenal Firearms Strike One. I hear great things about it. I was wondering if you guys had any experience with one or shot one. Some people say it's even better than a Glock? If people are willing to put that label on something, then one of you must have tried it at some point. I don't really know if it's supposed to rival Glock or if it's just filling a specific niche. I couldn't find a Canadian retailer either. Just want some info on it. One thumb up for the effort. Happy hunting. Manny from Winnipeg. One thumb.
0: Uh, Well, when I'm done, Manny, you'll give us the other thumb. Uh, I am experienced with this pistol. Arsenal is a, um, a Russian company, and get this. Colt Canada will be producing this firearm on behalf of Arsenal, or under licensing from Arsenal, for the Canadian military. This is what? the gun that's going to replace the Browning high power.
4: Whoa. Huh. I didn't <laughs> know that at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. Boom. I just dropped that bomb on you. So, yeah, this will be the new Canadian sidearm. Uh, Mo used to have one, and it has a better trigger than a Glock. Some, And, I mean, Manny, some people will say that anything is better than a Glock, but, you know. Um, it is uh, comfortable, ergonomic. It has a low-bore axis and a good trigger, and... uh, Does it
3: ever have a low bore axis? I'm looking at pictures of it online. Wow.
0: Yep. The only thing that I don't like about it, and this is just my personal bias against Caltech, it looks kind of Celtic-ish. E.
3: <laughs> so it has nothing to do with the fact. I mean, it's not <laughs> made by Celtic at all. No. Nope. But because it looks like one, Trevor's like, man, I'm not too sure. I'm not
0: feeling it. Yeah, <laughs> because it looks like a Celtic, but it's nothing like a Celtic. So, anyway, yeah. Um, if you get your chance, if you get your hands on one, Manny, uh, you know, it would
3: be it's it's gonna need a it's, it's gonna need a new rear sight. It's ramped. It needs to be squared off a little better.
0: Yeah. Cool, that well, that was cool. Yeah, I'm the the looking at pictures of it too. One will be,
3: but. Anyway, so say
0: hi to Ed for me, Manny.
3: I like that the front sight Ed, who's Ed. I like that the front sight is
0: uh, Ed beaver-tailed works where in. Manny works.
3: Okay. I it think, definitely...
0: unless Manny doesn't work there anymore.
3: No, no. The well, yeah, the because on the Glock, the front sights pinned in or screwed in, and I, that stupid. drives me nuts. I, yeah. I like things dovetailed in. Um, also, where, is this just a, a trigger safety on it, like the Glock? I don't see a actual mechanism. You just have to... What, what's the deal there? You've, you've handled one, Trevor? What, what's yep. going on?
0: If memory serves me correct, it's just like any other decent striker-fired pistol. There's no external safeties. It's all internal good times.
3: So just press the trigger and it goes bang? Yeah. That's it. Because uh, cause on the Glock, it's got the, the drop, the little tab that sticks out. This doesn't even have that from the pictures, so... No. Interesting. Yeah, it looks like a neat little gun. I'd shoot one. I don't know if it's better than the Glock, but... That's
0: interesting. Better better than the high power? Well, well,
3: (laughs) better than a high point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's better than both, I would say. Yeah,
4: Awesome. Matthew, you want to
3: take the next one? Uh, As soon as I figure out how to close these pictures here okay from sean he writes hi guys really enjoyed last week's show i do a lot of driving at work so it's really nice to have you guys to keep me awake and entertained i really like the auditions thanks for including them i thought of doing one myself but then reality set in i would miss most shows due to my crazy work schedule if you guys recall i just got my r pal and bought a glock 17 and a ruger 2245. just handled them or sorry, just handling them, I thought the Glock was my preference of the two. However, after making my way to the range, I discovered that I have a deep love for the 2245 and not so much for the Glock. There doesn't seem to be uh, a huge jump in recoil between the 22 and 9mm, which surprised me. Also, the Glock grip just doesn't really give, or doesn't seem to jive with me upon actually firing with it. Anyway, I decided to sell the Glock and try something different. I put it on CGN, and a fellow offered to trade his Ruger Blackhawk stainless in three hundred fifty seven mag slash .38 special for my Glock. Not sure it's a good idea, but I went for the deal. I'm excited to try out a revolver. Well, that's definitely something completely different from your Glock. Yeah. It's funny... Uh... Two of my early pistols were also the Glock and the 2245. And, um, the Glock I still have, but not the 2245. So it's interesting that, uh, we, we picked opposite of each other. But the 2245 was an awesome gun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think, uh, I, I think maybe, uh, that you, you may enjoy the Glock later when at least I did my personal experience, um, a- after I really learned how to shoot. Um, then, then I found the Glock grew grew on me and it worked really well, but, uh, at first it was very difficult to shoot. Um, anyway, he continues on. That is basically what I've done in guns. So I'm getting to the main topic now. What? This is his audition, I guess. He's doing his own little show here in his email. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, specifically Trevor, about eye dominance. I believe I remember Trevor talking about this in a previous episode and he mentioned that he is cross-eyed. Oh no, cross-eyed dominant. (laughs) Ah. Uh. <laughs> I am right-handed and left eye dominant. I've always held firearms with my right arm as the strong arm and don't even uh and didn't even know about this until a recent eye exam. With rifles and shotguns, I've trained myself to use my right eye more and I shoot with both open. This basically consists of me squinting slightly with the left eye so the right eye takes over. I feel I have done myself a disservice now that I've gotten into uh, shooting pistols and revolvers. I shoot much better when I close the right eye and shoot or keep the gun position to the left while maintaining a right-handed grip. I know Trevor is a good pistol shooter and has shot many rifles and shotguns. How does he get around this issue? Any tips would be appreciated, guys. Thanks for the show. Keep up the good work. Sean from Saskatchewan. P.S. I almost forgot to give you guys two thumbs up. We're getting all the thumbs this time. Yeah, it's three this week so far. Yes. Thank you, Sean.
0: Trevor, take it away.
3: Uh,
0: Eye dominance. I actually shot everything for the first two or three years that I was into shooting with my left eye closed and my right eye open. That's what I was doing in archery. That's how I shot rifles with iron sights my entire life, even a scope. Um, That's the way my papa taught me, and that's just what I always did. Um, not even knowing that I was cross-eyed dominant until I got involved in archery. When I made the switch to an open gun, which has a single red dot optic on it, that is shot with both eyes open. And because it's not a front sight uh, and a back sight, and because you're not lining them up, you don't get double vision. You don't get blurry. You know, you don't see double. You don't see two sets of sights. So I shot my open gun for an entire year. And when I picked up uh, any other pistol with iron sights, after that, or even after a short period of shooting the red dot, I had learned new muscle memory and new habits, and the gun naturally went underneath my left eye. So I kept both eyes open. Um, I, there was some double vision, but it was very easy to distinguish and focus on the front sight that I needed to focus on in that quote-unquote double vision. So that's how it happened. It's not something that I set out to consciously do there you know i knew after dry firing with the open gun picking up a gun with iron sights that i was suddenly aiming and dry firing with both eyes open and i shot my eagle in an indoor match at um, in halifax 1 march and my goal for that entire match was to force myself to shoot with both eyes open uh just you had to you know you got to you you just have to decide one day that you're going to learn to shoot with both eyes open so keep your your posture and your stance the same as you always would, a straight head position, and bring the gun underneath your left eye, and just just do it, and focus on the on the front sight, and uh, it'll, it's certainly easier if you shoot a red dot for a while first, then you'll see the the sights better. That's on handgun. When it comes to rifle, if it's iron sights, I'm still holding it in my right hand, and I'm still closing my left eye. Scope, if the power is low enough and I've set the scope up correctly to have good uh, eye relief, I can do it with both eyes open, even though I'm left eye dominant. If I'm shooting shotgun or I'm shooting a rifle with iron sights, I still have to close my left eye. There's no way that uh, my right eye will pick up the front sight and line things up. With a shotgun, for example, I shoulder the shotgun and my left eye is looking down the side of the barrel instead of my right eye looking down the spine of the barrel at the front sight. So like you, I squint my left eye and let my right eye do the work. I haven't been able to find a way around that. If it's a tactical type of rifle, an AR-15 with a uh, a halogen sight or a red dot sight, then it's very easy to do both eyes open just like it was with the pistol. So that's how I was able to make the transition. I spent a year shooting a red dot on a pistol, um, and now I can shoot pistol with both eyes open.
4: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm the same way Trevor. I'm I'm left-eye dominant and uh uh on the pistol, I'm I'm still just shooting iron sights, but I found it easy just to uh almost use my right arm as like a, a cheek rest for my face yep. and squeeze it right over and that has caused no issues for me. Both eyes open, no problem shooting. Um now for bow, uh I was early on and and I recognized that I was left-eye dominant, so I just learned to shoot left. I just uh, I just took the bow and just I just shoot left now. so
0: if I had to do uh, it over again, I, I wish I would have done that because mm-hmm. uh, I would prefer to shoot with both eyes open. There are very few professional archers at the world level shooting with one eye closed. Mm-hmm. All the best archers are doing it with both eyes open. You just go online and, and look at who the top archers are and look at some videos, look at some pictures and they're, they're shooting with both eyes open and, and pretty much always have. So yep.
4: less eye strain. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: You're not more, squinching up your face, yeah. especially if you want to be a target shooter. Hunting is not so bad, but I would still rather be in a tree stand with both eyes open at mm-hmm. full draw. Yeah, exactly. So, so I hope that helps, Sean.
4: Yeah, great. Uh, Trevor, you want to take the next one?
0: Sure, from Russ. Trevor and Matt, I just finished listening to episode 124, and I thought I'd add something I thought you missed. But then, russ we miss lots man like and you, you
3: missed something already russ because you forgot to mention adriel
0: yeah way to go <laughs> yeah way to make the new guy feel welcome Gosh, um, there are two cons to semi-autos one they need a they need to have a minimum non-restricted barrel length of 18.5 and they're limited to five rounds unless you have a, Mer- a versamax like trevor's um they're limited to five rounds of their largest chambering. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a Versamax. If you get a Benelli or a Beretta and it's chambered in three and a half inch Magnum, then it can hold five, three and a half inch Magnum and no more. But it will always hold seven, two, and three quarters. So it's not something unique to Versamax. It's anything chambered in three and a half inch Magnum.
3: And also in our defense, we were sort of interrupted last week by somebody who, who
0: well, it was Sticks. sticks. Yep. And, sticks.
3: Uh, and we, we really went squirrel squirrel yeah. hunting really totally we were all over were the, the place so yeah. we pretty much didn't cover half of what we were going to go over
0: yeah and you got to <laughs> keep in mind the use too right yeah. i wouldn't use a semi-auto um a full-length semi-auto at home for home defense not when i could have a short barreled pump like we're about to talk about right he says you can get a short barrel you can get short barreled pumps like an eight and a half inch or twelve and a half inch grizzly and that's if you don't want a gun that's reliable. I have a 12.5-inch Grizzly mag or the 11-inch SAP-6 six, SAP six, or a Fabrum shotguns. Pump actions also have no mag capacity limit. I think we probably touched on that.
3: Yeah, ex- you- well, unless you have an 8.5-inch barrel, in which case <laughs> you've you've only got
0: uh, room for about three, if right. that.
3: Unless, it's unless you're running so. a magazine.
0: Yeah. Uh, true, yeah. you
3: could ever run a magazine,
0: I guess. Have you given any thought to having another listener call in type show like Matt had before? That, no, that was, Owen. was Owen. That was yeah. Owen, actually. Okay. And that's only because he couldn't come up with the topic, so he put it out to the <laughs> listeners. But so, uh, we're not we even might.
3: on the show anymore. He's still getting under the bus.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if listeners want another call in, we could probably do that sometime. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. Russ from Banterio. Uh, P.S who was Rick from London on episode 123? Oh, it was Rick from London.
3: Yeah. I didn't
0: realize he was local to me. I'd love to get a hold of him. Okay, so, well, uh, send,
3: well, Rick, you're listening. Send us an email, and if it's okay with us, we will, uh, we'll send you Russ's email, and you can email him if you want.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. Russ will give you his contact. We'll okay. give your contact info to Rick.
3: Yeah, and then if Rick likes you or, or you pass his, because he's got pretty high standards. Yeah, right. I mean, he, he doesn't hang good. out with just anybody. Please, he hangs out with us. Yeah, you're right. He pretty, he wants, he needs friends. He needs m- way more friends. He's he he'll, he's desperate. He'll take anybody. So you're in,
0: basically, Russ. <laughs> Oliver sending me Facebook or uh, Skype messages. I think he's trying to crash the show. Yeah, just he like probably is. It. Let's just ignore him and carry totally. on. Totally. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adrian, carry on.
4: Yeah. Actually, I'm just I'm um, I'm texting with a buddy of mine. He just got eight pounds of tight group, which is sweet because that's what we use with uh, reloading. Did know. not.
0: Where Where did he get this?
4: Uh, that was at that's in Bonneville. Uh, Alberta, uh, Sylvester's Source for Sports. 200 bucks. Is that a good price? Oh, oh sweet. Seems like a good price.
0: That yeah. is an excellent price. That's what I was paying for eight pounds of win 231 four years ago.
4: Wow. Take it. Um, okay, back to – sorry, squirrel. Uh, back to the listener feedback here. From Kelly, is it too late to submit my bio – Just kidding. Although a bit of estrogen around every once in a while might be a good thing.
3: Oh, so many jokes. So many jokes. I have to repress. Suppress. Carry on. (laughs) We
0: have Matthew. (laughs) I love the
4: past two shows. have to say I did not get to bed with you last Thursday since we were traveling to Ohio for the Valkyrie Defense Group Counter Ambush Concepts Course with Jason and Brian. Did I read that right? I have yeah. to say I did not get to go to bed with you. Yeah,
0: hmm. I totally read that right. I that's, guess you're, you're going to bed with Kelly tonight. All yes, right. you are. Okay. I don't
4: know, Kelly. I'll take this <laughs> as a, a positive. Course with uh, Jason the by uh, FYI, the course was awesome. Brian and Jason are very passionate about teaching people to be safe, but also how to protect yourself if you can. Though it was raining, we had fun and learned some things that we will hopefully never have to use. A big surprise was that one of the things was very similar to what you did with Daniel Shaw. Figure eight, then lateral movements and engage the number called. If you get a chance, then go. You will not regret it. Plus, you can see Red Ranch and open carry in Ohio. Hard part will be one up in Kevin, who double open carries.
0: <laughs> That's fine. Well, I can do la- that. one, on, one, on, one on each hip and one on each ankle and my 44 <laughs> under my arm. Uh, there you go that's five
3: it's good to have backups uh we (laughs) save listing. one is none none. five is ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) overkill not enough kill just the right amount of kill that's right yeah
4: we save listing to show one two three for the 10 hour drive back to kingston it's a good thing one two three yeah
3: matthew Yeah. yeah matthew Tell yeah. him, Matthew. Yeah, it, it, you, got, you got it right.
0: Perfect. Good job, bud. No, he did <laughs> 123? No. No and. no and. No and, just 123. This is a gross moment. I'm sorry, carry on.
4: <laughs> oh, this is what you get when you deal, deal with people in the school system. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing Kevin has a sense of humor, and it is so awesome. It could have been an uncomfortable ride back. All this <laughs> talk of butts and going to bed with slam fire. <laughs> Rick was an excellent sit-in guest on the show. He reminded me about some safety concerns when your girlfriend or wife is pregnant or if you're a female and a pregnant shooter. I posted a link about this on the New Shooter Canada's Facebook page. Essentially, if you're shooting, wash your clothes and self before exposing your girlfriend or wife to the lead. Hmm. Yeah, I, I whenever I go out to the range, I always bring like a little thing of soap and some water and I don't know. I like, I like to eat beef jerky on the way up back from the range, so...
0: I, I usually if I usually a couple of times a year I'll remember to put wet wipes in my uh in my range bag. Well, I'm trying to,
3: to I'm trying to gain weight so I eat all the lead I can get. That's not how that works. That's oh, not how what? any
0: of this works.
4: So you get a plumb bomb. <laughs> uh, I was happy to see on the last show that Grant McCartney sent in his bio and was interested in hosting. Met him at Maple Seed and he reminded me a lot of Owen. When he told you that he shot 188 on the AQT, he failed to mention it was
3: with iron sights. Oh, what a cheater. Oh, wait. No, that's... Yeah, right. Good one.
4: He's a good guy. Grant offered Kevin and I his hotel room the Saturday night to clean our rifles in after the monsoon. Our tent was not going to cut it. If he does get to host with you guys, that's awesome. If he does not, then perhaps he can sit in, if needed, on NSC, which I think is New Shooter Canada. Yep. Yep. He did a great job when we had him on for the Maple Seed episode. Do you, you, do you may-
3: wanna do you wanna Agil, do you wanna tell tell him that he's he's not in? It's not in. It's it's not you. in. But he can come as a guest. Yeah, I listen right. that, the, oh, the listen episode. to you inviting guests on the show already. <laughs> Didn't I just invite one today? <laughs> yeah, you did actually.
4: <laughs> uh, as you may or may not know, the charity shoot has been confirmed for Ontario date is june 25th and it will be at the brockville district fish and game club if you are interested then contact new shooter canada or one of the other podcasts and we can get the info to you we are planning some events for the day before and after so hopefully you can attend uh
0: attend what now sorry
3: (laughs) the charity shoot charity shoot wasn't that at my club no for next year the way to pay attention
4: is that what they're talking oh.
3: about here? Yeah, yes. Next okay. year the charity shoot is going to be at the Brookville District Fishing Game Club in Ontario. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah,
4: missing information. There we go.
3: What, uh, uh, what, what, what? We don't know what uh, town that's in. That's Kingston, right? I think we're going to call it Kingston until otherwise notified. Carry
4: on. Excellent. Finally, Trevor. When listening to the last show, I had to giggle. Glad I'm not the only one who is struggling with my math this week. Cheers, Kelly. New shooter, Canada.
3: You were struggling with math last week, Jeff.
0: I don't recall, potato. Uh, pff,
3: no idea, man. <laughs> I
0: don't know. Refresh my memory, Kelly.
3: Yeah. Cool. Anyway, thank you, Kelly, for the email. Uh, we we uh, we love hearing from you, and uh, we'll see you later in bed, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's wrap this milk. up because we're getting a little long in the tooth here. Yeah.
4: I'm, an, I'm the new guy. Do it. I'm, I'm wrapping up then, aren't yep, I? Yeah, that's you. <laughs> I called it. Well, if you'd like to email the show, send the email to SlamfireRadio at gmail.com. Um, and then let's get into. Do we have any iTunes reviews?
3: No. We do not.
4: Gotta get some more. We've got five hundred and what? What? One hundred and five five star reviews so far. But uh, if you guys out there can get onto iTunes and uh, and leave us a review, it's worth uh, dealing with the platform, and uh, it makes it easier for people to find us and uh, for the podcast to kind of get more popularity out there. So please leave a five star rating. Uh, no other star ratings will be uh, accepted on uh, on that platform. <laughs> That's just the way it works. And uh, you know, make it if if it's a good review, you'll probably hear it on the show. And uh, thanks to everyone out there who's already left a review for us. Uh, Shout-outs.
0: To uh, Jason Philp, thanks for sending the bio and the audio submission uh, and the very supportive audio message with regards to our shotgun episode. Um, Thanks so much for the support. It means a lot to us. Did I mention I stopped listening after the first 60 seconds? (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, You'll have to listen to that, Matthew, on the 7th of Never. I I have it scheduled in already.
3: The 11th of Never.
0: Yeah. Anybody else got anything? Uh, shout out!
3: Shout out! No, I'm good.
4: I've got one. Um, yeah, one. A uh, shout out to uh, Barney for uh, the tactical teacher for throwing on that course in Saint Paul, Alberta. Like when I'm t- say saying the middle of nowhere. Like it's two. It's two, uh, two hours from Edmonton. This is pretty far out there, and uh, I'm just glad to see people starting up those courses in our small towns and away from the big centers because. You know, Alberta is a big place. So we got we got big spaces between those cities, and uh, I, was, I thought it was really cool that he did a course in such a small place. So kudos. Cool. And finally, uh, just to just to sign off here, um, please check us out on the Crusader Podcast Network at crusaderpodcast.com. dot uh, Join any or all of our national firearms associations: the uh, NFA, the CSSA. And w- Trevor is is your uh, is the new one there set up so- to. Take membership soon. Soon. Very, very soon. soon. And what's that stand, one again Stand by. The Canadian
0: Co- Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights.
4: There we go. So stay tuned on for that one. Uh, check us out on GOC. That's the Gun Owners of Canada. We've got a forum over there where you can comment on, uh, on this episode and uh, chat with other people. And uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook. We've got uh, 1,273. No, you guys yep. aren't going to give me crap for. Your, for uh, sake. I, I was and waiting there. for Trevor to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, likes uh, with the uh, twenty six. I, I think w- today it makes what? Did you did you add I added them already. Yeah, sick? it's twenty. twenty six. Yeah, twenty
3: six 26 thumbs up.
4: Thumbs up and counting. Uh, yeah. So that's a that's a heck of a lot of thumbs. So uh, thank you for listening. And uh, oh yeah, thanks from thanks from me. What about you guys?
3: Uh, well, uh, Trevor. Trevor? Hello. Oh, he's gone. Wheeler. He <laughs> I got Wheeler. I just got a text from him. Um let's just say he's indisposed. <laughs> so, Trevor Trevor says goodnight and he says, "Keep those SKSs polished and oiled and make sure you put lots of Tapco plastic furniture on them." Put and the ductile mags? Yes. Uh you know, any, anything you can do to dress up your SKS, Trevor says, you know, he wants to hear all about it and he loves pictures. So send your pictures of your dressed-up SKSs to Trevor. Also, 1911 pictures are welcome, especially those in 9mm because those are the only true 1911. That's what Trevor always says. So other than that, Trevor signs off with, I love my rimfire and I never want to shoot anything bigger than that again. And uh, as for me, we'll see you next week, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, everyone.
4: What was our next part here? Listener, Listener, feedback. Feedback. Listener feedback. I start, and then we cycle, kind of a thing.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah you read so the you first just, one. Yeah, you just pick whoever you want to read next, and we really we usually give Trevor the big long ones.
0: No, we don't. <laughs> we leave the French dyslexic alone. <laughs> uh,
3: I'm sorry, Trevor. <laughs>
0: no, you're right. not. I'm not at all. I know. That's why I love you. <laughs> Ooh.
3: <laughs> okay, we're gonna edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Edit
0: that. You took it to a dark, creepy place, Adriel yeah okay let's go already
3: oh yeah I'm,
4: I'm going i'm going just give me a second I'm, I'm trying to make it so that uh matthew's got a lot of time to edit in here so again i'd Anytime, like to you thank-
1: guys
4: oh, wow. <laughs> knew it was coming.
0: matthew just virtually <laughs> fist bumped me i felt <laughs> it. he's like yeah
1: <laughs>
0: oh, welcome man. to the show
1: adriel <laughs> yeah